1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: This is the besotted pride of West. London podcast and talk about West London I'm back in West London after oh, celebrations Monday night bank holiday Monday night Griffin Park there were some lights at some stage I'm sure there were and we were th- absolutely the place was brimming steaming teeming everyone was so happy as Leeds United came down champions of Europe there's not many times that we beat the champions of Europe well actually it's true we actually beat them every single year and they came down to Griffin Park this time And the mighty, mighty Bees, 2-0, no problem. I'm sitting here, I thought I've got to come back to the scene of the crime. So I'm back in Brentford, 1 over the 8. My name's Billy Grant and I've got a big smile on my face. Leeds United coming down there and losing it, it's it's such joy. And as those Bees fans, you know, we all love it all. I'm sitting here with my chums, 1 over the 8, wicked little pub. In the summer, great place to come. You go out the deck, you look at the river, you look over by the... Water is the boats sail past Griffin Park. But like I said to you, I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here with my chums. I've got the Laney, I've got I've got I've got the uh, I've got the
3: KDB and I've got the GP Gary Paul in the house. How are you doing today, Laney? I'm good mate, yep, yeah. We were right to come back here today because uh you know, 48 hours ago, it was a, a brilliant victory at Griffin Park, one of the famous ones, I'd say. Not particularly because Leeds were anything that special, uh, but it was it was sort of uh, built up to be, you know, Leeds's promotion party. And the way it's the way it's panning out is the wheels came off, and Brentford played brilliantly, uh, especially in the second half, I thought. And uh, yeah, we we did a proper job on the champions of Europe, who never were.
2: Indeed, indeed, Katie B. I know you're smiling here as well. You come back to the zone. Um, did you, did you, did you inspect the crime scene?
4: I did. I walked right past the crime scene, and I had a little, little cheer as I walked past. I'm bouncing like an Easter bunny after that victory. Very entertaining. Lovely to watch us win two 0 Lovely to watch us battle like that, and lovely to watch the whole team put in a proper shift at the park. That was a wicked, wicked game. Lovely day.
2: GP I know, his, you know look, you're just trying to hold back that smile from your face how are you feeling in mean, the end of the season Brentford you know not really that much to play for technically we talked about us being on the beach a few weeks ago um, at Millwall we saw we definitely weren't on the beach Derby County there was no beach action going on and when Leeds United came down there was no towels on the show at all were there
5: no exactly no towels at all we turned up we came we saw
2: we conquered mate we did indeed just listen no adieu, let's go back we could talk about that game as much as possible. Or hold, hold a 2nd tell you what it is. That Leeds game, I was just thinking about that. It was a good game, but the reality is, and we all know this, I mean, we thought Brentford were good, but actually that wasn't the reason why Brentford won that match. There are actually real valid reasons why Brentford won that match and Leeds lost that match. And I know that we've all been sort of sitting around there sort of scratching our heads here, and uh, I know that you've got a conspiracy theory, Laney. I mean, what, what, what is your thought?
3: Well, I mean, obviously it can't be that we, we were better than them. It can't, it obviously, can't be that reason. You can you know, no one's better than Leeds. So it's all, obviously it would take it either takes some sort of black magic or it takes some sort of corruption, normally by the football league. And in in, in this in this case, it's certainly by the football league. Um, and what yeah. happened? Well, they they made made the weather too hot. The football league, they there was it went out and they um they, they cranked up the temperature knobs. Over at um, Kew Gardens, and uh, you know it was way too hot for a game of football, and that was the reason. It was nothing to do with Brentford.
2: So, so the so, so, so football league is corrupt, and and it made it too hot for Leeds to play, and they couldn't play because they they come from a cooler climate than, than what we do.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
2: funny, funny. tell you something. I never even I never even thought of that, no, no, but no. but now you mention it, I think you might be true. GP, Gary. Have you have you got a theory? Well, you know, as you say, we all know
5: the football league are just crooks and shysters. See, my theory is that when I've seen Leeds this season, I th- it's quite obvious that their peak performance time in the days between 3 and 5, the Football League knowing this, well, well, we can't have Leeds. So what they've done is they've actually moved the game to 5.15s. It's so when Leeds are normally on their cool down. And that's why they just couldn't perform at their amazing Barcelona-like levels that they normally do. So basically, they've got Leeds
2: past peak. Pretty much, pretty much. How corrupt is that? That is very, The really football league is so, corrupt, is so corrupt, so corrupt. <laughs> so corrupt. Uh, Katie B, tell us something. I mean, listen. I mean, these these are a bit far fetched. These. Have you got any thoughts? Just uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying because I, I, I never thought of that myself. How about yourself?
4: Well, what what I reckon and what what I sneakily heard was that the English football league, corrupt as they are, could not get could not could not let Leeds have a good time could not let Leeds be comfortable or happy in an environment, so what the Football League did was they made every Brentford fan just a little bit happier, they injected positivity, love, celebration, good atmosphere into Griffin Park, and Leeds, unless they're in an atmosphere of total hate, cannot function. So, so, there's, so there's
3: no hate? Yeah. So Griffin Park is not toxic enough for Leeds to be able to operate at optimum hate levels?
4: Absolutely not. And so, they failed. Makes sense. How cor- how corrupt That's is really
3: that? Corrupt.
4: That is
2: so corrupt. Nefarious. Nefarious. Oh, I'll you, oh, <laughs> corrupt. Jesus. i tell you something, I mean, I can't beat that. Cause, um, the theory that I heard, I thought, you know, to be fair, I mean... It won't be any of these ones here, but I just—I heard that uh, Bielsa, when he turned up for the match, he he lost his interpreter. I think he apparently he was in one of the four pubs on the corner, and he turned up at the ground And the football league, told them not to let anybody in if they couldn't understand them. So Bielsa was at the at the gate, and, 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 and no one could understand what he was saying, and so he was, he didn't actually get into five minutes before the match, and he couldn't brief his team properly. I mean, how corrupt is that?
3: It's really corrupt. Yeah. Proper hill tactics.
4: Yeah. Terrible state of affairs.
3: Listen, but you Obviously know, it needs to be probably a petition. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. probably should, a petition. <laughs> should we start it
2: or should should they? Well, they probably started one already. Yeah. 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 As it goes, but listen anyway. Um, let's go back to the game. Let's talk about the game. and well, we're not going to talk about the game. Let's listen to what the fans had to say um, about the corruption of the football league, about the goals that were scored by Malpay and also about well about anything else you want to spygate and all these other things that we'll talk about. Let's listen to the fans what they had to say after the game in the pub
6: i mean and one can only really i think laugh at Leeds i mean, they are blowing it uh, big time they offered nothing today. Um, Brentford really were up for it, whatever had happened. The shenanigans that uh, people may have heard about that happened after the uh, last game that we played at Ellen Road, obviously the team took it on board and decided, yes, we're gonna do Leeds this afternoon. I thought Leeds offered absolutely nothing. Uh, there are far better teams than them in the, in the championship. They ain't gonna go anywhere in the playoffs unless they, they, they pull their act together. Same old, same old with Brentford. They move the ball,
0: they get after the ball. They're too quick for Leeds. And they uh, move it, move it, move it, and then they score. You know, that's all you have to do. I didn't think Leeds would win today.
2: Do you believe that the Spygate scenario has really messed up your season? Because you seem to have gone downhill Uh, since then. Not
0: not now, but back then it did, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's um, destabilised us now. But back then it was even worse. But the thing is, we're we're just not good enough at minute.
7: We're not confident enough. We, we we're a top sixteen, but like I, I've not seen a team better than us. You know, in, in terms of flood like they, they are because like league, league position tells you that. But when you think of like the two games we played against Norwich, did they were they that much better than us? Really, Sheffield United were at home. Sheffield United battered us here at home and probably. Away for a moment, the game changes. We were sending off Leeds. We have taken four points off Leeds, so it would have been six. Yeah, it's just so unbelievably frustrating for me, and I'm just, you know, there's there's loads of reasons for it. It's not just one thing. It's it's three or four reasons that where we are, and probably the main thing is. When we've got the ball, as I said, I think we're a top three team when we've got the ball. When we don't have the ball, we're a bottom three team. And then you, you put them two together and it averages out, you finish mid-table. Well, that's where we are. This meant a lot today. This meant a lot. It was on TV. We always loved playing on TV. Evening game. Not, you know... Not not everyone's the biggest Leeds fan in the entire world. I thought we had a lot of motivation today. Second half played really, really well. And actually, I don't think we'd resort to the measures that they do. I can't imagine us ever scouting on a training session. I can't imagine us ever going into a drug testing room. That's not the style of this football club. Listen, it ain't perfect. There are a few weaknesses in the team that we'd all pick out, But lots and lots of positives going into next season. So, two games left. Let's give it our best shot. See where we get... UBs, UBs, let's do it.
0: Many seasons before, we've been in the same position and fluffed it. And it seems like the nerves just get to them. And I think the same thing happened today. You could see it 20 minutes in, the nerves had got to us big time. It was a 50-50 game and we won't win any 50-50 challenges. It's happened in the last two games and we fluffed it you deserved it big time 2-0 fair result you knew how to play as smaller pitch we didn't get the tack hard enough to break you down we couldn't break you down and uh, the chances where we minimal we had like minimal so many small chances on goal
2: it was a joke really so Ni- Ni- Neil Malpay, and we said to him today Neil Malpay. he we met him in, the, in uh, two, a couple of weeks ago and he said I got two months of abuse from the Leeds fans after the last game he goes I can't wait to score against them and if I do I'm going to stand in front of their end and I'm going to put my hands out and he did exactly the same now the reason why I'm <laughs> going to say to you is that all these shenanigans afoot that you do don't
0: you think it actually can act against you and not for you the spying stuff it has done definitely, We've, um, you've got to be a tough team to be able to take that kind of thing, give it out and take it back, and you've got to be a tough team to be able to get stuck in when you really need to get stuck in, and we definitely didn't today, we didn't put the effort in, like I say 50-50s, we didn't get stuck into the 50-50s, we played the same ball every time. You deserve to win, and I'm fair play to you, because we are stood in the sand and just thinking... There's no way we're ever going to win this game so we don't look like we're going to score.
3: To be honest with you, what I thought was brilliant about today from a Brentford perspective was there was absolutely no doubt that we deserve that, 100%. There was no controversial incidents, there was no... Goals that came about through through any kind of so-called dive. What we what we showed today is Brentford. Um, they just outplayed them from, from not the first minute to the last necessarily. Leeds didn't have their shooting boots on. They're obviously not a bad team. I mean, I'm not gonna not for one minute pretending you know we're saying we're great. They're awful, but then they're, they're not going up. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's almost become funny again just to, just to see it. And they, they, can, they can say, yeah, it's our cup final, little club, big club. Well, yeah, it is that. It's all, it's all of that. And, you know, bring it on again next year. You know, we, we're here on merit. We need to get more consistent. So, yeah, it's, it's rounded off a brilliant bank holiday, I think.
2: In the pub, Bees fans, Leeds fans... Good evening, that was actually. It was, it was, well, Bangalore, to be fair, Bangalore Day. Getting at 1.30 in the morning on Bakelite Monday is, is quite something. Um, um, yeah, I had to sort of push the boat out on that one. And fair play to uh, all who took part in the late night celebrations. There was, a, there was, a, there was only a few Leeds fans that actually joined us for that one. And the and the one Leeds fan, as we call him, Leeds man. Uh, new Leeds man because we all know old Leeds man is still stuck up in Leeds. And he, he doesn't travel anymore. So we had to get new Leeds man. And he was all over the place, it had to be said. Um, but fair play to them. The Leeds fans are in there. They, you know, As you heard them on the podcast, they... Uh, they were well, succinct in, the, in them <laughs> saying how bad their team were and uh, and then fair play you know they're just sitting there with the microphone in front of your face and actually kind of you know just chatting we had a few beers and they told exactly as it was and uh, I mean I was quite joyous after that game because like, you know I was joyous but like I said on the other hand I was a little bit frustrated because to me I was just thinking what could have been we always see these things what could have been you know we can go out there and we can have these performances against teams like whose leaders have been up there all season and I look at that, and I thought, okay, technically, we should have been up there.
3: Yeah, it's, it's another one of those that uh, in as you say, what could have been on our day that we, we know we're capable of that, and, and to be honest with you, that wasn't Brentford at their best. You know, I think they, I think it was we were tactically good, you know, we, we actually allowed them possession. If you look at the stats, you know, they had 60 65% possession pretty much, that's, that's very, very rare, but we seem to allow them to do that. I thought the well, first half an hour we weren't really in the game too much either, which oh, on another day, Bamford would have put them one up quite early on. they had that shot that that, you know, didn't, it didn't even trouble the goalkeeper. Actually, it was a, quite a bad shot. I think Morpay would have put that one away. Um, and they had their their penalty appeal, which the world has said was an absolute penalty, and it, and it probably was. Uh, and we, but we had a penalty in the second half when Watkins was was taken out. He was he was booked for a fa- for a dive. It wasn't. Um, so that, that that would have sort of uh, cancelled each other out. We scored two other goals in the time and um, Canos almost scored the goal of the future when um, Sawyer's sent him away. He took on three or four players, almost rounded the goalkeeper. He was unlucky not to finish that. To be I, fair, the goalkeeper did really well by getting his hand just on the ball, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, I, th- I thought their goalkeeper had a, had a decent night, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, it could have been more. Brentford were playing brilliant counter counter attacking football towards the end, and, it, and it, every, every time we got the ball in a forward position we we looked dangerous and I, and I have to say there were pl- I, when Canos was given the man of the match award after the game, i I, I said well, someone said to me he ought to give it straight to Sawyers, um, but looking back at you know the highlights and I, I flicked through the game that I recorded on Sky in, in a bit more detail. Canos was exceptional, and he, and he absolutely deserved that. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was a great night. We did carry on in the pub until quite late. There was a couple of Leeds fans around, um, and looking at social media afterwards, we're not uh, we're not the only ones, that are, um, are, you know, calling excuses for that for their defeat. And I'll, I'll let the others talk about the post match. Then I think we ought to talk about legitimate.
2: Leeds'
3: excuses. Legit listen. i listen, I've been laughing, I've
2: been listening. We have to keep it to later because we'll be laughing so much Then this podcast will have no other content on it other than us on the floor rolling around listening to Leeds' rubbish excuses. But Gaz, I mean, that match, you mean, there were a couple, well, quite a few players from Brentford who really, um, who, who really rose, didn't they? Yeah, no, they definitely did. I mean, Daniels looked
5: very safe and um, going back on what Dave um, was talking about a I moment again. It was very strange to see that you know Brentford having less than forty percent. You know to have less than fifty percent is strange. That, you know Brentford at home having less. You know and it does show that you know Leeds are a good side. You know we are just when you know we did the What we were able to do was when we didn't have the ball, we maintained uh, almost like a checkmate situation because there were big periods of the game where Leeds had the possession, there was just nothing happening. Um, they didn't really trouble the keeper at all, as other than about the Bamford shot that went wide.
2: But, but I'm going to talk, I mean, just come, let me just come back to that, because, I mean, somebody said in the post-match podcast, they said that was a very un performance. And when they say that's a very un performance, we're talking about, I mean, they've mentioned the the stats and the fact that we only had, um, what is it, 60, you know, 60, sorry, 30-odd percent possession. They had, like, much more possession than us, you know, obviously in the passing game and for Brentford actually to you know to sit back at home maybe uh, soak up a bit of a pressure and then hit them really fast on the break that's not normally how we play our game so is this kind of like you know Thomas Frank sitting down there and thinking you know I mean, statistically you know or, 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 or tactically tell you what this is how I'm going to out-tactic So this is what they do and this is how we're going to kill them In he's 62.8% possession leads 37.2% Brentford you know they are 13 shots to our six you know Um only three shots and target each we had we scored uh, two of them you know they had ten corners to five you know they had slightly higher in fouls you know so basically that was kind of the score where they were seeing a lot more of the ball but they weren't doing a lot with it which actually it's almost like we swap roles that sounds like you know they were doing the Brentford and we, and we, and we were doing the, the Leeds yeah it was almost like the typical they were quite they were you know
5: forgive me but they were quite Brentfordy in the sense that they're in a prime position to go up and after many years of close shaves, that was almost me you know, that day we went to Walsall under um Dave Webb and kinda, of, you know, where we had a real chance to go up and we didn't kind of take that times when we've been to Colchester and Bournemouth and time that it was almost one of those games where you just where you you can feel it slipping away. Their fans can feel it slipping away to why they keep come out such garbage about, you know, the stars not aligning and Stuff like that, as to why, as to why they've not. In the end, I think Thomas has played it perfectly. He let them have the ball. He shut them down so they really could not do much. And then we hit them on the break, and you know that was a fabulous finish for the first goal. And it just shows the quality of Malpai.
2: And, and talking about, you know, it's slipping away and the Leeds fans feeling it slipping away. I mean, I bought a talk to that game. She's been to you know, quite a few stinkers recently. We went to Sheffield Wednesday away. She went to Swansea away and she's been pretty gutted, actually. So I've kind of kept her away from bees for a bit. But I said, you need to come to the Leeds game. She's only 10 years old. She was sitting um, or standing, actually, standing early. You know, she knows exactly what goes down. But she's standing in the in the new road um, at the front and she's watching the game. And after she came over to us, and she said, what do you think of that game? She goes, the Leeds fans left 15 minutes before the end. That was the first thing she said <laughs> to me. So she noticed the fire drill action which is going on. I was thinking, you notice the important things. So that's all good. But um, Katie B?
4: Yeah, they proper uh, they proper did. She was right. They did leave 15 minutes before the end. But there wasn't really much to stay for for them, was there? They didn't look that threatening. We looked in control great by the time we got that second goal. It just looked like a question of whether or not we were going to get more. Um, and, and not only did... like. Malpe look absolutely amazing but um, his goal that ball through from Sergi, was absolutely brilliant Um, like how he saw that opportunity like what amazing vision and he did have such a fantastic game and it's great to see it like Coming, coming off for him because you can see the effort he's been putting in in the past few weeks, you see his frustration when he gets subbed off and it was really nice to see him putting in a man-of-the-match performance this week and see it all coming together.
2: Well, it's interesting, and again, you talk about them balls that came through and we talked, I think it was even in the last podcast or the one beforehand, but we talked a lot about Brentford threading the ball through the eye of the needle, trying to walk the ball into the back of the net and sort of trying to play the ball You know, in the middle of a very packed, you know, sort of middle of the park and more often than not it doesn't come off and it finds it's really frustrating because we think, you know, maybe we should try a different thing, maybe we should have a shot but is this sort of a sign of Leeds' fragility, the fact that, you know, we you come against someone like Millwall and Millwall are able to defend and they'll, they'll be really tough about it but Leeds... They just seemed to, I mean, they were on eggshells every time we kind of got the ball and we were, we, were, we, were, we were attacking them.
4: Yeah, I mean, they definitely did look nervous when we when we were running at them. And when we run at people, we run at people fast, so you can see why why they might be nervous. You know, to, looking at sort of Mope, Canos, Benrama when he's playing, Watkins, uh, that's, that's a frightening front three to be running at you quickly. And I don't think Leeds helped themselves as well when they um, took off uh, Pontus, And uh, for sure, virtually playing as a centre back, they looked even more fragile after that because they looked a bit like not quite sure what they were doing, not quite sure what they could be. And by that point, we were riding high, feeling confident, moving quickly, looking aggressive. So, you know, you can see well they might have been on eggshells.
3: Maybe that was an example of uh, maybe us maturing tactically as well. We 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 try and we try and usually boss the game completely in terms of possession, and uh, you know, create. Twice as many chances as that, and and don't take don't take as many as we did. I think maybe away from home we ought to just chill a little bit, let forego a little bit more possession at times, and just be confident that we, we are a brilliant counter-attacking team. So it's, uh, it's it's maybe that's a sign of a little you know of things to come. He was he was actually going to give up uh, our, our kind of vision of perfection, uh, and then uh, just just know that we're going to still create four or five guilt-edged chances and we're going to take two of them. Well,
4: and I think confidence is a really important word to use there because it seems like in the past we've taken a lot of confidence from having the ball, having the possession, creating, as, as Lainey says, like multiple chances. Whereas in that game it did feel like we seemed confident that we could defend against whatever they were going to throw at us um, we seemed confident that Jean Vier was going to win those headers we seemed confident to let them, confident enough to let them have the ball and do their thing and, and that's a really nice thing to see because it's not a thing that we've al- al- always seen necessarily
3: I have to say as well Mazbek sorensen I thought he was exceptional especially in the second half I thought he and against against Millwall as well when when Dowsgard had gone off, I think that was almost like he stopped thinking about what he, what he was up against. He seemed to be less nervous. He, it became a little bit more of um, in, in, a bit more instinctive. He didn't really have time to think about what he was doing. He had to get on and do it, and it was a grapple. The second half at Millwall, it was a proper fight, and he and he, he became a man. I think, with that's not too much of a cliche. And but you know, against Leeds, he proved that he was a very very Good player against arguably this, the first or the second best team in this division, and some of some of the um, aggression that he showed, the the timing, um, the confidence to get in front of his man, push him out of the way, to use his bulk. He obviously, he, he gave the ball away early in the first half, and he had to, you know, he, he got back, um, and you know, he relied uh, relied on a bit of fortune there. And in the, in the second half, the ball was played against him, and it rebounded, and it, it, it created a chance, but um defensive wise in, in, in when when he actually had at a mark and, and um challenge for high balls coming in, he coped manfully and, and I and I think you know we've unearthed another one there. And you know, hopefully, we'll, we'll use the rest of this season, this last two games, as a as a springboard to be part of the uh, the you know the defensive lineup for next season. I mean, and,
2: and again, I mean, I was going to mention that as well. So I'm glad <coughs> you mentioned that the props that you get to MadSpec because you know we have to call you know we call these things out matches beforehand. We we have always said he's a young player, he's a developing player. If you don't put him into the if you don't put them on. They're not going to make the mistakes, you know. Uh, um, Chris Mepham came on his first game, made a mistake. I think gave away a Norwich. penalty, if I remember rightly. As Norwich, he had a penalty after that, but then he put his head up, and then he just got better and better after that. Mads Bex in his first couple of matches, he wasn't great. We have to say, you know, he was, you know, he was out of his say out of his depth, but you know, but he learned from it obviously he's gone into training and he's had two matches which have been very tough and it's really good so he's now got another one match possibly two matches where we can go out there and we can hopefully next season be, be more comfortable when you actually now see Mads Beck Sorensen is actually named on the team sheet you can go oh, that's cool man he, you know, he's learned his game we saw him play back into the season and, it, and, and, and he's done alright also I think what is probably quite important is him actually playing proper full on matches with Konsa um, and them learning because they're obviously different types of player. concert is quite fast. He's very nimble. He's very agile. And I thought also concert, who comes from a little bit of abuse for people, who says that he makes mistakes. He does certain things. I've seen some people have even said quite bad things about him or concert, which I think is quite you know interesting. Seeing as he's a Brentford player, but we you know we'll move on from that. But I thought he also had a very, very good game on, on, on Monday against Leeds United. He sort of, again, come of age. And maybe it's one of these things where playing against a team who is uh, see, maybe less, less physical and much more technical and playing against them is suits their type of game. Well, that's Konza. But, I mean, Mad is a different type of player. But for me, he had a really, really good game. And, uh, you know, he, 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 in a way, he was kind of sort of quite... You know, I say offensive, but he kind of like you know he he, he actually started to create chances by get the ball, taking them out and playing them
3: out for the, the players up the pitch. I don't you know I don't think Mads Beck's probably first choice next season. I'm not I'm not going to get too carried away, but I think he he will be a central part of our squad next season, and he you know he, he should be on the bench and he should get a decent amount of game time you know starting as well during the course of the season. If we're going to rotate, we're going to need we're going to need more strength and depth. Next year, if we're going to mount a challenge, and he's part of that. Um, Camo Makocho is someone else I have to I have to raise my raise my hat to. You know, him and Sawyer's uh, were back to their very best in the middle um, on, on Monday night. Uh, Camo is a brilliant, brilliant player for Brentford. He's, he's growing on us week in, week out. You know, he, he we we've lacked, we've been looking for that kind of player, and he was he was there. He was just injured, so uh, now he's back from fit and fit. I'm really looking forward to seeing him at Brentford again next year.
2: Also, it's interesting. We only made... um, Because normally, you know, at Brentford, even at home, we normally do our traditional three substitutions per match, you know. But we actually only made two subs in this game. Does that mean that we were sort of quite comfortable? And we just thought, let's just just, keep them on. So, I mean, Oli Watkins came off in the 87th minute. And uh, Josh Silver came on for him. And also Canos came off in the 81st minute. And uh, Emiliano Marcondes came on for him. Emiliano, I mean, I know it's... Ten minutes or so wasn't an enormous amount of time, but did you think that he uh, he still showed what we expect him to do? Because there's a there's a lot of expectation from him being the the top scorer in the Danish league last season.
3: Yeah, there is there's a, there is a lot of uh, expectation about him, and again, you know, he's, he's another one that's been sort of plagued by by niggly injuries. Um, he, he probably needs another close season, and hopefully he 'll be fit for the starter next and it 's part of that squad. The other thing I do have to say about Canos, canos he he was a bit petulant after the millwall game he tweeted um something basically saying he wasn 't happy about being substituted at millwall and you know obviously you, you don 't want your players to be happy to be taken off, but you know i'm so, I, 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 thomas Frank absolutely had in mind. The, the, the Monday night game against Leeds United so we, we needed to needed his legs he made his start and, and he got man of the match so perhaps he ought to go and thank Thomas Frank for subbing him because that, that meant he was starting rather than being on the bench again to be honest and, 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 and also I mean I know you
2: sort of said but Kenos as well just coming to that because he's another player who has come for a little bit I don't want to use the word abuse but he's come for a little bit of you know people have been slightly disappointed with his contribution this season well, people, you know
3: people including us you know it's you know it's not a it's not a you know we we up until fairly recently up until he was used full back when he when he was when we used him as an emergency uh, wing back that I thought he had a a pretty average season and I, we've said on this podcast he's been he's been so so since he actually came back from Norwich but this last this last sort of two or three months I'd say he's he's getting back to his very best and you know the performance he put in against Norwich it shows you um, sorry put in against Leeds United it shows you what he's capable of but again he needs to do that a lot more regularly next season
4: I guess it's hard with Kanos with because he's also been kept out of the team this season by like, Watkins and by Ben Rama. I mean, like they've just been better than him and he hasn't quite taken those opportunities when, when they've been presented to him. Um, but he was absolutely back to his exciting bests in that game and in the in, in the Leeds game and in the Millwall game as well. He was he was exciting to watch he was really trying he was working hard and he was like you could see him like geeing up the crowd at that point when he comes over and he's waving like trying to get us all to cheer louder as well great shot as well yeah there's something yeah that old one off his left foot there's something super special about Kanos and it's just sometimes it feels like he tries to take the world on and he gets his head down and he's like I'm going to do this bit of solo magic and uh, change this game and like sometimes you're like mate put your head up look around there's a pass but when, when he when he gets it right it's just it's absolutely sublime and he's been getting it right in these past couple of games and if he can carry that into next season then you know he's going to be starting he's going to be beating the others out so
2: so Bring it back to like I said. We always mention every game. We haven't got the man here. The XG Dave is not in the house, and fortunately, he's off playing football. He says he's, he's trying to trying to trial for Brentford, you know, so he can uh, he can actually kind of sort of sit in the dressing room and and, and bore everyone with the XG. No, I'm not saying boring. You know, I'm joking, Dave. You know, what I'm saying <laughs> the players inside the dressing room are sitting down there. But no, we love the XG because I think it's very, very, very important um, just to get a vibe. And on the that's this game, actually, Brentford's XG was actually quite low, 0.73. You know, to Leeds 1.05. So, basically, the opportunities that we got, we took them. You know, we we get the we, we kept the game tight. You know, Leeds United, to be quite honest with you, they weren't really on fire themselves. So, whatever they had, they didn't re- they didn't really deal with it. We dealt with it really well. But that game was one of the games where, like I said to you, it's typical Brentford. We go out there. We don't necessarily create the chances, those clear-cut chances, but the ones that we got, bang, bang, in the back of the net. You know, there's other games where we would create plenty of and we, we haven't done. And I think that... Kind of highlights again the inconsistency that we have this season, which hasn't got us higher up the table. But anyway, but just let's come back to this. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about the Brentford players, we've talked about the team, we've talked about what we've done. You know, Leeds United. Let's bring it down to Leeds United as well, because first of all, obviously, it's very, very, very um, for us to have the Champions of Europe playing on Griffin Park. You know, potentially if they'd gone up, this would be the last time the Champions of Europe have played on that Griffin Park turf. But you know, there's there's a high possibility they might be back next season. So, um, so we, we welcome them back next season. But you know, Leeds have come down. Um, they, fans have turned around and they said that they don't think that they've played to the level that they thought they could have done which you know that might be fair enough as well but we also think that there's also extenuating circumstances as well why Leeds did not perform against Brentford and they've been flying around and we've been looking at these we, we discussed our ones a bit earlier about the corruption of the Football League which we think that those ones are completely and utterly um, valid, yeah,
3: valid, totally valid we've had some Leeds ones which we're not quite sure about, Laney yeah, so the ones that we mentioned earlier, we just literally made up this evening after a couple of drinks. But these ones that we've read on Twitter are, are genuine Leeds fans' excuses. They're not bona fide. They're not actually genuine examples. You, know, you can't actually take these seriously, but... No, you must. Well, obviously we must, because they know it. Could be obviously, because they, they know everything about football and no one else does. Because yeah. So, apparently, we... Overwatered the pitch before the game. We they w- did, w- w- yeah, um, and we did it when Leeds weren't looking. Yes, it was just a really sneaky. Brentford fans were walking around with water pistols mm. or something, yeah. um, and every time they looked away, we would water it a bit. But I, I mean, like have, are, are they never do they? Is, does it why? not rate? Does no, it why? Not? But why? What what what, what effect does it have? So well, they had the wrong studs on. Are they the wrong studs? Yeah, yeah. So we we knew that it was going to be a wet pitch and the, I mean do they do they not have rain in Yorkshire? I mean I I I personally thought it rained quite a lot up there. Yes. Um and I thought during a 9 month season most of it is rainy.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yes. But but so well, wet pitches quite normal yes but <laughs> you have to remember with the corrupt football league because they
2: made the weather oh, too hot yeah. oh, they thought course. they're going to bring out different studs for this game.
3: Yeah, maybe. Maybe they made it a a, a a dry stud day for I don't know. But literally there's a serious some delusional div um is, is really putting that out as a genuine excuse. Um a delusional person out there, as as, as put it, out as an excuse, as as to as say.
2: So, but, um, so but listen, listeners, but Gaz, this, uh, have you got any other um, leads, excuses out there at all?
5: Yeah, I did see one bill, which I thought was quite amusing, was where there seemed to be a suggestion, that, and I think I did actually see something about this actually before the game, uh, but when Hull played Sheffield United, that um, I think Hull had, I'm not sure if it was a youth goalie or a sub goalie. Who is actually from Sheffield? So the suggestion was that they let, they obviously put somebody in to let the ball in the goal. Now, why? But you mean no? So
2: Leeds are basically saying that the Sheffield, uh, the Hull goalkeeper was a Sheffield fan, Sheffield United fan, and he basically let three goals in because, uh, well, that's what that's what you do in football. The only thing, yeah, (laughs) the,
5: the only thing I did think is that why didn't Hull just say to the regular keeper, well, look, you know, can you just let three goals in for us? So I'm pretty sure that, you know, bearing in mind, you know, I'm not going to say no and pass up uh, an appearance bonus, but I'm not sure why they particularly need to be a Sheffield fan. I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that whoever they got in, they could have coerced into it. But, yeah, I mean, obviously complete poppycock and, you know, they're uh, just... They're just (laughs) bellends. So, and and, and was
2: there? Was there? There was another uh, Leeds excuse. Was there not? There was. uh, Was another one. I imagine. And and then. And then there's a third, I'm sure there's plenty others as well. We've seen them all flying around. But that, to be fair, that's, that is just, that's, that's enough for now. You know, like I said, the excuse is flying around. I mean, you know, we, we, we're you know, sitting there discussing the fact, you know, they were, as per usual, to be fair to Leeds, they, they travel big numbers because they're, you know, they are the only side in Leeds and, you know, one of the biggest sides in quite a large area. You know, if you took London, there's only one side in London. I'm sure that there'll be quite a few travelling fans there as well. But, you know, Leeds United fans were in the home end as well. Cause a few problems here, but there was a few issues here and there because of that, and that's something that we're not going to be able to get away from. But it's, overall, it wasn't a problem at Griffin Park, as in that the atmosphere was good. Um, even so Jim White was there as well and Jim White sort of tipped his hat to Leeds fans who supported their team but also he tipped his hat to Brentford fans who said that the atmosphere was really great at that game created a really you know really great match I don't know is Jim White is he a Leeds fan as well I don't know but well if he just turned up to decide to, to just walk down from Sky and, uh, and and be at that game but you know like I said to you a lot of lot of, lot of positives about that um, you know Laney wrote an article today saying you know there's only one more year for Griffin Park you know and this is one of the events that you have to sort of kind of savor, you know, you realise, you know, how special Griffin Park is, you know, you're terracing, you know, we brought some characters down, lots of characters down and, you know, they, they'd come to this match and they, they actually said, you know, what a fantastic game. You know, we had some characters that had gone to the Arsenal game. Uh, a couple of days beforehand and they were so excited about coming to the Arsenal they come from Europe and then Blaney bludgeoned
3: them into getting some Leeds tickets and they came down and, and they, they what did they actually think of the, the game they thought- he said it was He said it was much better than the Emirates he said the atmosphere was better uh, the vibe brentford was was a, a, a better day out you know and the lot we exchanged uh, emails well, sorry texts for the rest of the evening and he just the last one was brentford forever he, that's what he said and you know so we converted him and 30 other Swedes into Brentford fans on, uh, on the back of one day. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a, spe- you know, a special afternoon at Brentford. It, not, not, not special because we beat Leeds, I'm not going to you know, give them too many props, but it was special in, in so much as that there was so much of what is special about Brentford was on show. You know, it was in the warmth, the floodlights were out, the pubs were open... Uh, it was just a really lovely spirit, a lovely, a lovely game, and uh, obviously the result went our way as well. So all the, all those ingredients that makes Griffin Park a, a magical place, it was all there for the world to see again. Indeed. So
2: I mean, great match. Anyone else got anything to say? here? Everyone's just oh, listen. Everyone's just oh, sitting there with smiles on their face. And I'm sitting there thinking, what have I done? Like you know, they're sitting there, they're beaming at me like you know, great result against Leeds United. Brentford, you know, we need to the the reality of this, we need to we need to learn whatever lessons we need to learn over the next two games. We need to go away. We need to have a closed season, a good closed season. We need to keep as many players as we can do. So if that means kind of offering a little bit more money here or there, um, as we go into our last season of Griffin Park, you know, OK, it's not my money, but I'll be very happy if that happened, if Ben Rama stayed, if Malpay stayed. You know, and let's see how it goes between now and Christmas. If we're in the top six by Christmas and they decide to stay on, you know, they, they must love it here. Look, at, you've got all you have to do is show them the stories of all the players that have left Brentford and have done not very well Ryan Woods he was absolute Don Dada at Brentford and he's gone to Stokes that he couldn't even get on the bench at the weekend you know so we've got situations like that I mean, Now, of course they've got to trust themselves these players to say well Maupo will always say well I'll, I'll do whatever we'll do at Huddersfield or wherever I'm going to go but to me I'm thinking if you're happy somewhere listen, you need to just kind of just carry on being happy and being even better and try to better yourself in the environment that you're in. So if they can keep onto those players in the summer and we'll go away pre-season. There's a pre-season tour. There's a few rumours flying around as to where it's at. We'll probably find out in a week or two, hopefully, where that's going to be. And Beast fans can fly out there and hopefully see some games in in Europe, which would be fantastic. But for me, decent pre-season. Thomas Frank sits in, gets the players that he wants the ones that we need to and uh, hopefully we shall actually move forward and do really well and we're going to talk a little bit about a team that I think has done very well this season Norwich City Norwich City have done very well this season in taking the players that they've got buying the right players and it looks like on Saturday they're going to get promoted so let's have a little chat about Norwich City as a team and as a well-run club (laughs) Norwich City. Listen, fair play to Norwich. They're going up. We're not looking at necessarily their league position, but we're looking about how this club has gone about their business. And uh, they're, going up, they're going up there and they're looking very, very healthy. Brentford, we uh, look like we're going to hit break even year on year. We have to do that because we need to have to sell players all the time. Frustrating for fans because you get into a player. Neil Malpay, you know, we love him. He's been there for a couple of seasons and we've been big that he's not going to go you know but that's the way that we do our business you know but you know when we look at Norwich City to be fair to them what they've done is that they've really changed the way that they've gone about their business model in a number of different ways a couple of seasons ago or a few seasons ago when they were in this league they had this number of big name players number of players on big money they come down they were very heavily weighted with these big, big 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 name players but it seems that they've they've gone up they come back down again and they've changed their style now you know just to give a little bit of history of, of, of Norwich City their director of football is a guy called Stuart Webber Stuart Webber used to be at Huddersfield Town he was at Huddersfield Town back in the day when uh, um, they uh, we played them we beat them 5-1 and they had a whole load of new players in their side and they were just bedding in and we thought Huddersfield Town smashed you off the park the following that's the last day of the season the first day of the following season, we played Huddersfield and they beat us. And If I remember rightly, it was 2-1. Lovely day, hot day. We had a really good laugh. Huddersfield were just coming to their own and they got promoted that season. However, halfway through that season, Stuart Weber left Huddersfield in a bit of a tiff. There's a bit of a rut going on. He left and Huddersfield were like, yeah, you go, Weber. We'll just do it on our own. We don't need you. Went to Norwich and he obviously started to build up something there at Norwich. They got promoted. Stayed up for a season, got relegated, came down, um, and you know, and, and 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 that 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 is it to a certain extent. You know, they, you know, they got relegated, they've come down, but what he's done is he's changed the type of player that Norwich have been signing and their type of team, and it's very interesting, isn't it?
4: Yeah, and it's interesting to see um, the sort of looking at looking at that Norwich team and thinking about like the strength and depth that that squad has got, and that seems to have been a big part of their season that they can they can make changes and that they can rely on their bench to sort of uh, come in and help them out. But if you if you look at that team, there's an interesting sort of spread of ages across it. So you've got those really exciting young players that are doing so well and being so strong for them, but then you've also got some sort of interesting you know age and experience. Um, that's being used to sort of you know, ground that team and obviously you know, provide a strong backbone for them. And that's
2: right. And like I said to you, you know, when you talk about young players, you've got players like Max Ahrens who gets loads of props as well. He's uh, he's a, he's a young fullback and uh, no, sorry, Max Arons and a midfielder, and he gets lots of props as well. He's only 19 years old, okay. Um, he's 19 years old as well and also you've got Jamal Lewis as well two players that are in the PFA team of the year as well and he's 21 years old so you know you've got players like that in their side but then after you mix and match up with somebody like Timo Puki as well who they bought on a free transfer you know he scored God knows how many goals. Listen, we love Neil Balpay, and, and we wouldn't give swap Neil Miel for anyone. But it's interesting bit of business where they bought him in on a free transfer. He scored all those goals, and also they bought uh, uh Buendia as well for 1.5 million, the Argentinian. So we're just wondering, you know, if Brentford needs to be just a little bit more balanced about maybe how we get, you know, a younger players in and slightly older players, or players who might be able to bring something into Brentford if we are looking to go into. Um, the higher echelons and at least get the playoffs and challenge for the Premier League.
3: Yeah, I, I like what's going on at Norwich. They're they're doing it somewhat under the radar, uh, under the radar, as in they're not buying all the predictable players that, that the Derby counties of this world are. Um, so the press don't really quite know what's going on at, at Carrow Road because it's uh, it's done in a, in a clever clever way. Um, they're, they're, they're intelligent signings they're, they, as you said earlier Bill they've, they've got a vision they've got a clear clear path how they want to do their business then they've had enough of wasting money on huge wages for players that are past their peak it's about picking a way that you play football and buying players that fit that model it's, it's, it's like what's happening at Brentford it's very it's, it's not dissimilar in any way shape or form they've probably got more money to be able to do that they've got parachute payments they've got bigger crowds so you know um, so yeah I, I wish them all the success they're playing really good football as well so it's really hope there for Brentford we just—we need, need to carry on doing what we're doing and, and try and keep one or two more rather, rather than sell them um, they're they're a bit of a yo-yo club, but that's to be expected. They're they're a bit like West Brom were a few years ago. That they they go up, they don't overspend. They come down, they learn their lessons. They go up, they stay a little bit longer. They come back down eventually. Then they go up and they probably they might stay there for a, an even longer period. So that they're they're not going to break the bank. Um, just just trying to keep Premiership football, they actually they're confident in their model now to be able to come back down and regroup and go again.
2: And the question I asked was obviously you know the reason why I mentioned the Weber coming in because he left a team, you know Huddersfield Town who were doing really well to go to Norwich and I'm just wondering whether or not actually, because I looked at the signings that Weber made at at, at Huddersfield and I was like these are a little bit left field. And, and they got them promoted. And then he's gone to Norwich, and then he's come down, and all of a sudden he's got quite left field. And I'm just wondering whether or not, like Brighton, which a lot of people don't know, Brighton use exactly the same methods as we do, with that statistical thing, they've got the model, they've got the whole thing, but they keep it completely quiet. And I'm wondering whether Hudders, um, Norwich do exactly the same thing with Weber? because uh, 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 you know, unless he's just got a different approach, where he just goes out to Europe, and he's just got millions
3: of contacts who actually know those players. You know, they've got their unique... Their, their unique way of doing it he's got his, he's got his own little secrets he got all these clubs are saying exactly the same thing about Phil Giles, Phil Giles and Rasmus Ankerson. they're like you know how, how do they do it, it it's it's, uh, it's, um, it's either you know, obviously it's hugely knowledge based um, and there's obviously a certain amount of luck and um, serendipity as well you know sometimes all of your cards fall fall in, in place and I, I think he's, he's on a roll um, how, how long it lasts for I don't know same with all clubs nothing lasts forever but at the moment is these ingredients are making a rather nice cake a nice cake which is interesting
2: because obviously this cake is going to be taken to a, a league which is higher than our one next season as they go to the Premier League now what was interesting there's a little newspaper article out there at the moment saying that Norwich City have already stipulated that they're going to cap their spending budget in the Premier League next season to £20 million which is very interesting because you know you hear a lot of people saying that you you can't survive in the Premier League unless you spend lots and lots of money you have to we can't compete and they're saying about the big gulf but Norwich have already turned around and said this is what we're going to be spending which again leads to me to the fact that they're obviously trying to find players who are um, uh, you know, jewels, rough jewels, rough diamonds, is like what we do as well. So that's what they seem to be trying to do out there, and trying to do that at a higher level at the Premier League. But I think what is more imp- imp- interesting is comparing them to Fulham, who obviously went out, they got the Premier League, spent a hundred million pounds, wasted a hundred million pounds, and they're coming back down now, which actually didn't do them any good. Now, this change of attitude with Norwich, who isn't actually blowing money, is this a, like a, not to say a good sign? But how do you think this is going to work for them, De- Gaz? I- <coughs> It's hard because you Working like this And I think we
5: know from Our own experience You really do need to hit that perfect storm When you hit that perfect storm You can, you can do something You hit that perfect storm Where you bring in players And they hit the ground running They gel very quickly People don't get injured You get on a good run Confidence is up and you just start winning games. And before you know it, you're ending up like Wolves in 7th, 8th, as opposed to 15, 16, 17, as was maybe predicted. So if they can do that, then, you know, I think, we, as you said, we've seen from Fulham, we're going to spend £100 million to stay in the in Premier League. It's not worked out that way for them um, for various reasons. Norwich have said, well, to be honest, we think, and... Brentford have said this, it's not how much you spend, it's how you spend it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good luck to them. Hope it works out for them.
2: I'm, I'm just coming back to this when we talk about Wolves who are beating Arsenal 3 0 at the moment now. They've done very well. To, to be fair, that their spending patterns are sort of a little bit different to where Norwich are going. I mean, they spent a lot of money in our league, and, yeah, and, and they've continued to spend because they've got the money and they've spent it. And for them, as far as they're concerned, they think that they've spent their money right, even though the, the money that they spent is larger.
5: Yeah, and obviously um, well, certain um, teams in Yorkshire may have been calling shenanigans on what Leeds are, they'll probably call shenanigans on what Norwich are doing this, um, buying players that we haven't heard of should be banned I suspect they're saying, but um, you know, it's as I said if they can get that perfect storm, and I honestly do not see, I think 20 million, if they buy the right players should be okay, and it also it is a pragmatic view that should you go back down um, as Burnley found out in a much better you've got a much better base for if you want to go back up
3: See, see, I, see I don't think Norwich are equipped to stay in the Premier Division as they stand They're, they've had a really good season um, they've obviously got team spirit uh, whether, whether that uh, 20000000 20 million doesn't buy you a lot in, in, you know, in terms of premiers, proven Premiership quality have they really got enough to last them a whole season? Is surviving, you know, they're they're probably no better equipped than Huddersfield, uh, to be honest with you, and except, hu- except the director of football that they've got, which is yeah, going to oh, give them yeah. an edge. Well, okay, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm not being funny. I mean, he's, he's not a, he's not a wizard, you know. He's, he's done he's done he's done, re- he's done really well, but he, he, you know. For 20 million, you, you, it's, the Premiership is such a different division to the Championship in terms of quality. You know, yes, the, the Championship's a brilliant league. It's really, really diverse, um, and it's it's week. You know, it is Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. But the, you know, to to underestimate the, the quality, the world. Class that's in that top division. I don't. I think to, for for Norwich to say that they can survive on 20 mil, I think it's a little bit naive. Uh, or or they're happy to come back down again, knowing that they can come back up again. No, it's it's you know, I, 20 mil seems a bit light to me. I disagree with what you're saying about the Premier League because I think you've got
5: six great teams, and you've got. A, I'm talking m-
3: about Norwich, in the press.
5: Yeah, but I mean, I think you've just got so many same teams like West Ham and Everton that will, you know, West Ham, you know, teams like West Ham and Newcastle, who you've got no idea. There are so many open games in amongst that, those bottom 13 teams that the team in seventh cannot go and honestly think they're going to beat the team in 18. Those teams are too far, and if you can get in amongst that mix, as Wolves have managed to do, you can have it as Leicester have managed to do. You can have, you can have a good season. So. If it works for Norwich, I, I can see them surviving because there's also gonna be the odd basket case team that's been floating around And You know, the likes of you know, Southampton spent the last couple of years bumming around. All well, it takes that, you know, new Newcastle, if it's gonna give him more than three beans to spend on players, you know, they might be all right. If not, they could struggle again. Teams like that who, you know, I could see Norwich winning and finishing above.
4: I guess the other thing for Norwich in terms of going up is they don't have to. They've only got to be better than three other teams in terms of surviving. And who knows what kind of chaos is going to come in the Premiership next season? Who knows who else will go up and fail? You know, Villa. Maybe Villa are going to be the Fulham of this season, promoted through the playoffs as the form team, comes straight back down again. You know, Norwich haven't got to necessarily be amazing. They've just got to survive. So maybe there's something there.
2: We should see, we should see. So I mean, a little chat about Norwich City. Like I said to you, good luck to them. They've got their match on Saturday, which looks like they're going to get promoted. And uh, you know, like I said to you, you know, a little look around. And you know, we played Norwich in, in in January, and to be honest, we should have again a bit gutted now because we could have beaten them. I and mean, you sort of look at these sides, which you know, we could we we could be equal to them. All we need is. a a few little tweaks and uh, but we're not going to go on that much because we'll talk about that much more in the close season we got a game on Saturday we're playing Bolton Wanderers when Bolton Wanderers come down or any team comes down or we go up to them we normally go to their zone speak to one of their fans and find out exactly what's going down with their team so for Bolton we're going to speak to Paul from the Proud Wanderers who's going to give us his five from the Hive five from the hive bolton
6: wanderers hi i'm paul from proud wanderers i've been a bolton fan for nearly 50 years started off supporting the team back in the ian greaves era in the 1970s frank worthington and alan gowling banging in the ghost sam allardyce in defense and i followed the club through Through thick and thin, although it's mainly been thin since then. Uh, Last year I set up Proud Wanderers, the LGBT group, uh, fan group. Uh, So we're active on Twitter, so follow us on there, uh, like our tweets, etc.
2: Let's start on a positive note. Let's rewind 12 months. It's the final day of the season. A late winner secures a place in the championship against all odds. How did that feel?
6: End of last season was amazing. No one had given us a chance. We'd had a dreadful run of seven or eight games where we didn't even score a goal, i like got no points. And then somehow in a typical football way we scrambled together enough points, Barnsley and Burton had, had a meltdown, and it came down to that last game of the season, and Wild Shoot comes in, pops up, scores a goal in the last couple of minutes turns into a hero, secures her place in the championship again, as you said, and that just felt amazing. Really, really amazing. No one really ex- expected that to happen. And it was just one of the reasons why we've continued to be football fans was for, for moments like that.
2: This season started better than last season, but it all went downhill. Give us a little summary of what has gone wrong
6: this season started all right you know we got got 15 points something like that from the up to the end of september two or three wins on the trot uh top half of the table everything feeling positive and then well it's a rubbish really we've we've not we've only got 17 points in all of the seven months since that another dreadful run combination of negative tactics by parkinson when he's setting up a team really to to get a point to 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 scrabble around and 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 maybe come back with with a draw you know setting out your team from the beginning and you're thinking no this is this is you know we're gonna we're gonna concede and then it's no way back for us and the number of times we've conceded first and then lost must be must be in you know 15-20 games this season. We have been rubbish. Some poor performances as well that were by a team that, that can play better, that should have played better, that should have should have got points where we didn't get points, but we went on a dreadful run again. And then and then throwing the off-the-field antics, making everything awkward, everything difficult, players not getting paid and it was just a complete omnishamnus of a season that could not finish soon enough really
2: Anderson was meant to be Bolton's saviour in the end it hasn't worked out but to start off it was looking rosy were there any telltale signs in retrospect how can clubs desperate for money avoid the same pitfalls that Bolton
6: did You're right, Anderson was meant to be Bolton's and saviour and it hasn't worked out and there was a bit of you that felt when Anderson came along mm, bit of a slippery character he'd not got a brilliant track record in the past uh, soon fell out with Dean Holdsworth and that you kind of think well, you know, what's what's really going on off the, off the field there uh, it made you a little bit awkward felt a little bit uncomfortable yet yeah, to give him his credit then he seemed to be sorting out the club he seemed to be cutting out costs we had under sad to say under the big sam era with brugart side as the chairman and 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 our you know our owner then you know we 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 started to run up some ridiculous debts on one season i think we lost a million quid a week we were just you know spending more money than we actually had and at least to to Anderson's credit he was cutting out some of those costs being much much more businesslike and you kind of felt well this is a he wanted to sell the club that's fair enough he was fairly honest about that and you kind of felt well it was it's traveling in the right direction you know we we've we got ourselves in a mess And here was someone who was coming in, sorting out the mess and then selling on the club, obviously for a profit, for some profit, Um, you would kind of expect that. But then the slippery antics kind of started again and, you know, up, up. But before the judge of not paying this and winding up peti- petition that, and not paid HMRC and not paying the wages on time, both for the players and some of the staff, and it just became a little bit bonkers, really. Um, and that's just 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 not acceptable, and the whole thing fell apart. For other clubs, how can other clubs avoid the same pitfalls? I mean you don't spend what you don't earn, but there are there are some current examples. Bournemouth, Newcastle, Wolves who have spent an absolute fortune where their outgoings on on wages have been more than their entire income. And it's worked out for them. So it's it's a bit like it's a bit like Leeds twenty years ago, you know, you, 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 you make a punt. And if it goes well, brilliant, and if it doesn't, you're you, you, you snookered, and, and that's the risk. And I think that, you know, the EFL and the Premier League should be much, much more... Um, focused on making sure clubs are clubs are well run and, and, and they're not focused on that and they are they're not well coordinated and they really i mean they'll give a you know a pitiful points deduction for birmingham city which is it's just it's just nonsense
2: who do you think you'll move on close season from bolton are there any players you feel will find another club in the
6: championship I think most players will move on, to be honest, from Bolton. I mean, McGuinness or Beavers or Neil to a point, Donaldson or Kofsky, all good players. I think will find a good club. I think, really, what my, my sense is that we need to draw a line under last season. We need to start off in League One with some younger, fresher, hungrier players that we can. We can look forward with a new owner, although although I've not got an awful lot of confidence with him, but hey, until, the non- until nonsense starts, we've got to give him some credit. Um, let's start the season afresh, can we?
2: Brentford come to Bolton, two teams with nothing at all to play for but pride. Brentford have only won two matches away from home. Bolton can't string two wins together. How could you see this match panning out and give us a score prediction?
6: How would the game pan out? You know, it could go anywhere. Brentford aren't winning away from home. Bolton can't string a pass together, let alone a a win. I would like to think the team would put in a decent performance and win 2-1. There you go, typical typical football fan. it's hope, isn't it? Uh, I can't wait for this season to end. Uh, and I can't wait for next season to start either. So there you go. Up the whites. Come on, you whites.
2: So that's the five from the hive. And as you know, we are the bees. And a lot of people, we've had some letters coming in. People asking, what is that music underneath this five? Five from the hive piece that you keep doing we are the bees and we got the flight of the bumblebee rimsky korsakov proper classical music there. you you, you like, i notice you're tapping your feet every time you you hear that lane you like it didn't you
3: yeah i got his first single yeah that's right you know what i'm saying you know but
2: listen we heard from bolton listen bolton are down as we know they've had a terrible terrible season you know, so you know, we were just, just having a little catch up there on, on what's been going on with Bolton and maybe there's lessons to be learned about, you know, kind of who you who you're dealing with and and, 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 and and people coming into your club and you know, we've had the same scenario where we've had people coming into the club where one minute it looks good, it looks rosy and then the next minute it's like, Oh no, this is not looking too good. So, you know, we uh, we, we we feel for the Bolton fans there and hopefully they can get down and and, and, and reaccumulate and re just re just re- regroup. And hopefully, you know, we'll see them again in a season or two back in the championship where they feel that they belong. And um, no doubt that they do belong up here as well. But listen, Bolton on Saturday, <laughs> this this was kind of designated kicking football out of football. Kick football on football Saturday, was it not?
3: Yeah, I, I have to admit that I'm not necessarily looking forward to Saturday, if I'm being honest with you. It's That's normally one of the best days else. Yep, yeah, they normally do conjure up some, something special when, when you're kind of thinking, oh, I can't be asked, and you, you go to the game and you think, oh, I'm glad I did that. So it's the last away game of the season. It's been a miserable, miserable away programme for Brentford this year. So far there's been two victories. It's been a fair few draws, but there's been way too many defeats. Obviously, going up to Bolton after their season we've got to be confident that we, we can we can add to our measly two two win tally and make it three so i, I think I think we we have to I, I'm, I'm relying on the players to to raise their game it's not Leeds united um, but it's it's a it's a game where a lot of Brentford fans will be Go into because it 's the last game of the season it 's normally a really good atmosphere. the weather's always decent and um, we 're not going in fancy dress, but we are going to enter the end of season spirit and get behind our team and oh, just yeah, as I say, my my, my my request to the players is to actually give give one and uh, and and put a shift in. Do do the same shift that you did at Millwall and the same shift that you did at Leeds United. And I and I'm thinking we should go there and we should win three three or four one. Okay, well, that'll be interesting as well. Last you know last away game of the season. Um,
2: you know we've we, like I said we've gone up there and to be fair I, I just realised that I mean, I've been beat Bolton you know a fair few times but I've actually never been out in Bolton at all he's always go to Manchester wait to the very last minute then we get a train up there he's literally just going straight off Horwich I think it is on the train into the ground out the ground and then back again but I think for the first time ever we're actually going to venture into Bolton and actually to see what kind of activity there is like you know what I'm saying um, seeing as as well they're going down this season so we won't be able to do that next season so we're going to see what's going on down there as well and uh, just see if we can just back up with some, some Bolton chums and have a little bit of a laugh we found a few little kind of alien places in, in Bolton so let's see what's going on but um, guys uh, is this the opportunity you know away to Bolton to, to wheel out maybe a few more of our uh, our peripheral players, as we call it, you know, see if we can actually kind of give them a bit more match experience?
5: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Based on what we've done this um, season, safe, I'm not really sure northern away trip is the best place for us to be doing that. I think maybe the last game of the season at home where, you know, pressure's off and, you know, they're in a kind of familiar environment might be might be a bit better. But um, I'd rather we went up there to try and, as I said, got fans travelling a long way, and you know want to see Brentford. We want to see Brentford win, and we want to see the club take on that attitude of, you know, and treat it as if we are going, you know, as if we are fighting for our lives, and take it. You know, don't really want to see like wholesale changes. You might want to give, you, know, you might want to give maybe like, you know, like the de Silva. Run, they you know the guys that have been on the edges but have been in the team already,
2: rather than like giving debutants run outs. Saturday, Bolton Wanderers, absolutely nothing to play for. Technically tails on the beach. How do you how do you see I me? Mean, we've had players make debuts recently. We have got Rakitic making debut. We've got Mads Bex We've got you know, de Silva. You know we've had a uh, you know what players like you know Theo Archibald do. You know for the B team has been you know he's been knocking on the door. You know What are your thoughts on, on, on how we should approach this game, KB?
4: I think we need to take it proper seriously. I think we, I don't want to see towels, I don't want to see speedos, don't want to see sand. I want to see a proper commitment to winning an away game. Given that the away form has been really bad, let's put a nail in that coffin. Millwall, we proper fought when we went away. Let's stick another nail in that coffin on Saturday. Let's beat Bolton. They're there for the taking so let's do it because it will make us feel good nice way to work out the season but
2: what team do we just go with our very our very first team 100% all our first team players
4: I think it's actually it's nice to give some opportunities to some people who have been knocking on the door and have been playing so Josh De Silva be happy to see him play obviously super happy to see Beck Sorensen like to see a bit more of Ogbenet I reckon um, looked exciting been on the bench um, not that bothered about seeing people like Theo Archibald and that who haven't really been on the bench this season. Um, I want us to get some wins. I want us to end on a high. I want us to end as high up the table as we can.
2: so yeah, and for me, I don't know. We're going to Bolton. Uh, of course, I want us to win. A strange thing about me, I'm just sort of thinking. I'm just wondering whether or not you know a little injection. Of fresh blood inside, there are a potty for it against the Bolton side. Where again, if you speak to a lot of Bolton fans, they believe that uh, many of their players, you know, won't get a transfer to another Championship side. They believe that, you know, because of the restrictions they've had financially, that you know, a lot of their players maybe are sort of kind of Division One, you know, Division One standard. We've got Clayton Donaldson there as well, as well, you know, ex beast player, um, and, 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 and he's there as well. So I'm just wondering whether or not this would be a good opportunity. For some of our sort of younger Eager players, you know, not to go full change, but to actually bring a few more of them inside there and show that type of enthusiasm to
3: try and see if we can get, you know, just change it up and get a result. Well, I think the, the, the objective has got to be to finish top half. We're not in the top half at the moment. It looks like top 10 is, is slightly beyond. It's, it's mathematically possible. It looks like that's not going to be achievable. So we have slipped from where we have been the last the last few seasons. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not sort of going to cry over it because it's not, it's not that important, but it shows that this season has been not as good as the previous. We, we've actually got a fair amount of fringe players in the team who are probably going to play anyway. Um, you know, Mads Beck and De Silva are, are, are kind of on the periphery of the team. They're there on their own merit at the moment due to injuries. So, you know, when we've got Daniels. We can say he's a, you know, he's a he's a second string player. So, they're, 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 I think the team's got a pretty good mix between. 100% A-teamers and some A-team minuses and some B-team pluses so I, I think I, I wouldn't want to see any more experimentation I think it's important that we finish top half if we can't get top 10 top half is is, is where we're going to have
2: to settle and, and, and I think you're 100% right and I think that's fair enough on the flip side I'm just at the argument as well Norwich City last season as we talked about them uh, Twenty Last season, they finished, I think it was round about 18. They finished quite low down in the league, but they, they just like with Farker who a lot of people want him sacked, they stepped with him because they knew what the plan was going to be. And I think, you know, as much as I would love to live in, finish in the top half and like that, what's more important for me is knowing that there's going to be a plan in place, and Brentford are wanting to keep the players, bring in certain players, and actually kind of grow from where we are now. And uh, if, if throwing them in against Bolton is going to help that, uh, you know, I'd be you know happy for that to happen because obviously it's all about next season now. Um, but anyway, just going to go around the table here and just ask you very quickly: Do you have a score prediction for this Bolton match,
3: Laney? Yeah, I think I said three or four one um, to to the to the bees. We are going we are going to finish our away program on a high. So yeah, our third win will happen at the Reebok.
2: And uh, we've got, a, so far, a 100% record of seeing a piece of way wins this season, which is obviously not very many, but you know, we've seen both of them, haven't we? Yeah, we've, been, we've been at both of them, yeah. <laughs> so if they win on Saturday, we'd have been to three, 100%. Yeah, we will have seen all three.
5: <laughs> so,
3: uh, so I, I want to win now. So I, I think we should put in everyone. We should actually get messy and everyone and just buy them for this game. I've heard some terrible news tonight as well, by the way. Apparently Tim Sherwood's turned down Queen's Park Rangers' job. Which, oh, no. which is for, for us I mean, he was he was clearly he was ready to take that, that baton on to, uh, to to take them down to the third tier so um, hey ho <laughs>
2: yes indeed So uh, and listen as well, I'm just going back to just quickly Norwich City they actually finished 14th last season as well on uh, 14th last season 46 games, they had 60 points as well so uh, if you want to draw yeah, if you want to draw any really sort of relative parallels between well that's 46 games so he's still got three games two games to go uh, any, any relative parallels maybe we want to finish around at 30th or 14th and then completely mimic Norwich City following season listen Gaz
5: yeah well as I, say, I think we're going to win um, I think you're looking at unmotivated unpaid players at Bolton so I suspect um, well my prediction would be a 2-0 win to Brentford goal in each half there you go, Gaz.
2: Katie B. I'm
4: also going to go two 0 I do think we can beat them. I'm, I'm worried about my, my fear. My fear is a or away form and b Bolton players who are playing their last home game of the season. Is there a crowd there that is going to I don't know create a difficult atmosphere? I don't know. But still, B is two 0 Done.
2: And for myself, I'm going to go straight in three 0 to Brentford. After all this, I'm going to get we're going to basically play eleven B team players, you know, and they're going to come on and Joe Hardy's going to score a hat trick, and uh, and Finson's going to score seven. You know, what I'm saying so. I've probably got my maths wrong there, anyway, but you know, but I think it's going to be all good. But anyway, beside Pride of West London podcast, thank you very much again for listening. Which has been, well, we've just had a bit of fun, you know. It's been quite good. The season's almost coming to a close but um, we're sitting here in the, one of the eight really great pubs come down there if you need to like before the last game of the season or after the last game of the season if you want to by the river it's lovely sea sunshine and everything like that but we are beaten Leeds we're very happy we know there is the football league's corrupt and we, we're right behind Leeds behind all the excuses out there and if we can help them in any way we will surely will do as we sit inside this pub by the river where Brentford was founded right next door in the Rowing Club as we say
4: come on on,